0: I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And we'd like to welcome you to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through Mitch Stokes' books. Uh, his book is entitled How to Be an Atheist. And we are on Chapter 16. We've had a break uh, in Chapter 16 uh, because it's a pretty long chapter, pretty um, uh, detailed chapter, pretty uh, you know rigorous in terms of the argument that he's trying to make. Yeah,
1: we want to digest it and, yeah. and- understand kind of where he's coming from and where he's going and again uh, g- g- give it until the next chapter if you're d- disagreeing uh, but you'll start to kind of you'll, you'll kind of see where he's going with with a lot of this stuff
0: too. yeah and so the basic idea in this chapter in fact the title of it is morality is personal right now generally we don't think about that because if it's personal as christians yeah as christians if it's personal then it's not it doesn't seem to be objective that is exist independent of people right it is dependent on people and of course we don't want morality to be like that because then anybody can say anything is morally right or wrong Mm -hmm. right if it's personal But he suggests you need a valuer in order to have values and so if we have moral values then you need a a person, right? Who uh, values various moral um, statements and uh, positions and that sort of thing. So morality is personal, is what he suggested, and uh, and he suggests that this is all that naturalism can give us because, uh, you know, all, uh, we're the only things that are persons that exist, right? <laughs> now he, he's going to argue that you know if God exists, right? Then God yeah. is the person that uh, is the ultimate value. Right, we haven't quite got there yet. He's My... Spoiled the ending. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Is, is a small v as in people are the value, or
0: is there a big v where there's some ultimate value? Yeah, right, yeah. All right. So in this section here, we've just finished uh, working through uh, a bit of this particular chapter, in this perci- uh, uh, particular sex- section. He's gonna. He's asking the question about, is it nature or nurture that determines what's going on here? Great. I'm glad he finally figured this out because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a
1: lot of people that are going to stop writing books after this. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he says, uh, neither moral nor uh, prudential arts are categorical. That's what he's been arguing. Right. And by categorical, he means, you know, that they are absolutely true. You should or ought to do this, period. Right. He says, no. They're, they're hypothetical, right? They're conditional. If you desire or want or whatever, then you do this particular thing, right? So that's what he's been arguing here, uh, especially if naturalism is true, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, he says no doubt moral arts then feel different from these. Uh, you know, prudential arts. They feel different than the hypothetical arts. You know, we we feel like, well, no, you just have to do it, right? It feels categorical. Um, But he says uh, uh, it's not obvious that uh, there's anything objective beyond the feelings themselves, right? And this is kind of what Hume uh, was arguing, right? It's mm-hmm. our feelings are the only thing that we have, right? Yeah, and we can measure them, and there's issues with that, and we've covered that before. Right. Or at least if naturalism is true. If right?
1: naturalism is true. That's <laughs> the, the big caveat
0: here. Yeah, all right. So, thinking that moral imperatives are categorical and therefore more objective than prudential arts is not uh, necessarily the case. He suggests here that Philippe Foote, um Argued that are we then to say that there's nothing behind the idea that moral judgments are categorical imperatives, but the relative stringency of our moral teaching, right? How hard we teach it, how tough we are in terms of you better do the right thing, right? He says it would seem according to her that there seems to be little behind the sentiments continue, uh, conditioned by our ethical upbringing, right? In other words, it's our, it's the social, it's the the uh, nurturing. That allows for us to uh, have these moral sentiments, right. right?
1: Yeah, you're 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 going through life, and you're looking at some teenage kids, and you see their behavior, and you go, "Man, that that parent should have spanked those kids way more than," because <laughs> you know the, you're measuring their moral upbringing by what you in that society believe that they should be doing.
0: Right. And so moral upbringing and societal pressure then are crucial to forming our moral sentiments. That's the nature or nurture part of it. And when done correctly, this is an excellent thing. In any case, it's unavoidable. But morality is more, he thinks, than just nurture. Nature plays a role too, right? Many theists will think that God has designed us with a moral faculty that produces strong moral sentiments. Other people will think, no, it's evolution. That did it, right? So we right. have God or evolution, right? He says in his view, the moral imperatives are conditional. Is essentially uh, in agreement with with Mackey, which is that moral ought does not have any essential different meaning or sense from other oughts, right? An ought is an ought is an ought. He's suggesting, <laughs> so far as ethic is concerned. Uh, so Mackey says, my thesis is there are no objective values. Uh, is uh, 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 There there are no objective values, it's specifically the denial that any such categorical imperative element is objectively va- uh, valid. So there is no categorical, there is no absolute is what Mackey is trying to argue here. And he says he mentions Mackey because he's famous for uh, being one of the few atheists who is also a moral skeptic or nihilist. Hey, right? he's a sober skeptic. He's <laughs> taking his skepticism seriously. That's enough. right. That's right. <laughs> right. And so that's that's why he mentions uh, Nile. So he says this is because uh, uh, that uh, this seems to be really extreme, right? Sure. And so folks, yeah. uh, you know, push against this, right?
1: Which is one of the reasons why Harris came up with his well-being theory is right. because he wants to ground it in an ethical framework. But uh, as we'll see in a little bit, uh, there might be some implications to that. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so then, uh, even if the standards of morality are based on what we value. Uh, this, uh, Dr. Stokes says, doesn't mean that there isn't anything objective about morality. There can be an objective fact of the matter about whether something meets a moral standard, even if the standard is itself ah, is
0: subjective. So maybe we can sneak objectivity into it, right? And so, and so
1: he, he has, uh, I, I think, a really sharp example here. So the, the, the question is, uh, what is what makes a good knife? Well, a good knife, as we all know, is that it's sharp. Uh, Okay, well, there might be butter knives and steak knives and serrated (laughs) knives, and so there might be types of knives. But uh, when we come to think of uh, knife forms, we kind of think of sharpness as being uh, uh, an objective standard for determining whether or not uh, a knife is good. And so uh, we talk about the knife's uh, sharpness. We believe that there's objective sharpness. Uh, When we're valuing, sharpness is, though, subjective. So... Um, you know, we can kind of measure the edge. We can measure, you know, how it slices through butter and dices julian fries. And uh, we can run it through all the tests. You know, the uh, for those of you who don't even watch commercials anymore because I don't <laughs> think they even make them, you know, you, you always had the Ginsu knives That's that like slice and dice would, <laughs> would would cut a, a tin can but then be able to go right through the tomato like it was nothing. The, the infomercials were great back then. Um, and so then it would seem we in – there is indeed uh, – Evaluating objectivity, despite the subjectivity of the value itself, yeah. uh, that there is normative facts—facts facts about whether
0: something meets a standard. Right. So, it, so the standard is sharpness, and we can have an, obje, uh, you know, an objective fact. Then, how sharp is the knife, or that sort of thing? That right. is the standard. And it seems like, oh, well, now we have objectivity, right? We can say, does the uh, knife? meet this particular stand objective standard that we have of
1: sharpness yeah so let's kind of apply this to a person so you have you you're in the military and uh your job is to take out the enemy and so you go and you say uh i go out into the middle of the battlefield i yell really loud i tell the enemy hey we're we're both human beings we we um we're fighting over the same dirt This seems <laughs> illogical, and you get the other side to, to put down their arms. Right. You are a good soldier. Well, no, because the people who have uh, grouped you into this, this unit want you to go out and kill the other side. Yeah. And so you are being an objectively terrible soldier at that point in time. You may get the job done, but you're not doing it in the same fashion as what they want. So you're a bad soldier. Now, someone who's a marksman that can get 10 out of 10 on the bullseye and take out the enemy that way—that is what the valuer, the high up in command, want. And so you might be a good diplomat, but you need to not be a good soldier in that in that regard. So, so it is objective.
0: Well, he's going to say no. <laughs> right,
1: right. It's it's again this this, this attempt to to find. In a subjective universe, an objective standard, like uh, well-being was attempted to measure the EKG of, of the, the same stuff. And, and so, again, we still had some issues with that. Uh, so the standard itself is not objective. Yeah, that,
0: and that's the issue, right? Right. The, we might, the, 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 what we measure may be and how we measure may be objective. But where does the standard come from? Right. The standard is subjective. Mm-hmm. We determine the standard. Right. So we haven't got, you know, our objective value here. We determine the standard. Right. And, and you know, we, we, we see that today
1: with uh, uh, half the country thinking the founding fathers were good. Well, okay, but the other half think they were bad because they owned slaves or were rich men who wanted to keep more of their money or, you know, uh, they—, they they uh, rebelled against uh, the sovereign, and so you know again, the the good or the bad again, um, um, the, the, those aren't from from nature that we're pulling out. It's who, who, by what criteria are we judging that good man? Right. The good man is one who overthrows the government in order to bring about the United States of America as it currently is, so that I can then question them. Or is it bad for? george washington and slaves but yet fight for the freedom of men to to be free and so again we're we're having to 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 make sure that our our terms aren't crossed with our old way of thinking from the pre-enlightenment age where there was a lawgiver
0: and so the, the choice of the standard he suggests depends on the function of the thing yeah. that we're looking right
1: at. right so with a knife a knife is good if it uh is, is sharp so uh uh, humans declare that a knife ought to be sharp because we value sharp knives. In in more contexts, our choice for that standard for a good knife depends on the knife's intended function. Uh, what was that knife for? So again, uh, going back to if you're a butter knife, you don't need to be sharp. But right. in for all things being equal, knives should be sharp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, remember, we're ultimately looking for the source of moral standards themselves, and this is Doctor Soto saying. And if I'm right, that source is our values, desires, and preferences. Oh man, this 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 seems like presuppositions. <laughs> to put it differently, we're the source, at least if naturalism is true yeah. if on the other hand theism is true then the standards to be depend on god's values as we'll see and again I, I don't want to get too much into this because again next chapter next chapter <laughs> I swear the answers are next chapter but uh he's he's still going based on this promise of uh of of values being subjective and god being the ultimate one who who can declare these subjective values as being the greatest being because He's the lawgiver, he's the maker, he's, you know, all these things. He, he's the one who knows best. He sits from on high and can tell us what's best for his purposes and plan. And so he declares what's good and bad. And again, we'll get into youth Rose's dilemma and, and, and all that stuff, too, in the next chapter.
0: Yeah, so the next question he asked Okay, the function of the knife, we determine that sharpness Mm -hmm. is what we want, so it's subjective, right? Right. Uh, and, And it's based then on how the function of the knife is. So the next question then is, okay, well, what makes... A person good. We know what makes a knife good, yeah, right? If they're sharp.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they have a biting tongue. That's right. Or if what, their mo- <laughs> minds are really smart, and they can come up with the answer fast.
0: Right. He says now we're in a position to consider what makes a person good. Whether something is good or bad, we saw often it depends on the function, right, or purpose of the thing. He says. So what makes someone good as a person? Well, a good person would be, it seems, someone who adequately. Performs the function of a person who successfully fulfills the role of a human being, <laughs> right? So there, that's what makes a person good. So if you function as a person and you you do, you know, you you're the uh, you're the right kind of being in terms of what a fun uh, the function of a person is, then that, you're a good one, yeah. right? <laughs> if you don't, I guess you're a bad one, right? Right, that kind of stuff, right? So notice he says. Uh, But what's the function of a person in general, Mm -hmm. right? What is that, right? Whereas we know the function, for instance, of a doctor or an accountant, he says it's not clear uh, what a human is for. And there's a lot of people that still ask, what am I here for? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And so, of course, this assumes that humans have a function, right? And that they're for something, uh, that they have some type of end or purpose or goal or that sort of thing, right? But here's the problem, he says. With the rise of modern science, this end goal, purpose that people may have had, or earlier before the rise of modern science, for instance, Aristotle believed that people had. But with the rise of modern science, he says, um, we've lost that. Right? There is no uh, purpose, goal, uh, you know, in uh, for uh, for people. And so, what, you know, what do we do here, right? Um, of course, according to theists, we do, right? <laughs> Whew, humans you. still have a purpose. Uh, but as Christianity declined and naturalism became more prevalent, uh, it became uh, because commonplace for humans to view as simply a collection of inert matter, then we lost our purpose, our goal our function yeah yeah. we we lost it (laughs) we're
1: we're glorious stardust and unfortunately that stardust just doesn't have anything to do in this universe but it's really beautiful to think about and we put an echoey carl sagan in the background and show (laughs) pictures of stars and we say we're them and they're us yeah Yeah, great now i'm going to be a good serial killer because i can be right or a
0: good star (laughs) (laughs) so if naturalism is true he says what is humans for well who says mm-hmm. it's what, you know, it, it would appear that humans don't have an objective that is human independent function. That is, it's reasonable to think that a function of purpose requires a mind, a consciousness that has intentions. And so an end or a goal and that sort of thing seems to require a mind, right? And, uh, you know, so, for example, he says uh, we can determine uh, um, what a watch is good for by appealing to the intentions, goal, and purposes of the watch right. designer, mm-hmm. Right. If naturalism is true, though, there is no purpose outside the subjective purposes that humans choose for themselves. That's it, <laughs> right? And these purposes or goal will vary with uh, from person to person. So each one can choose whatever they want, you know. And so if you want to be a ser- serial killer, if that's your function and purpose. You know, that's your function and purpose. Right. 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 <laughs> I, I
1: give the police something to
0: do. You know, yeah. I, I'm here creating jobs. What What are you doing, huh? Yes. So he says. Then uh, morality, uh, moral value, ultimately requires a person who does a valuing, and what makes a good person is whatever we say makes a good person. Right. That's the bottom line. And of course, is that what we really want? <laughs> right. right. Is that what we want out of morality? Whatever we say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that seems that seems pretty uh, pretty
1: dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, at least for the rest of us. (laughs) So uh, we first began the suggestion we saw that the scientific revolution raised three problems of our our traditional view of morality. One problem was that Hume, Hume, our good friend David Hume, applied the experimental, experimental, experimental method to the study of ethics. All he could find, morally speaking, was our ethical institutions or sentiments. A second problem was that science made it seem that the divine command theory of morality had little going for it, didn't offer us anything new.
0: And the divine uh, theory suggests that God uh, tells us he's the lawgiver and he gives us the law. So whatever God says, that is what we ought to do or, mm-hmm. or whatever he permit or, uh, prohibits, we shouldn't do that. Right. right. And so the third
1: problem, which
0: we're not going to really cover
1: that much, but it, it does need to be said because um, – uh harris does talk about it and uh i i I think it's i I think it's right to talk about it it's just this book i mean we we did a whole interview with uh scott christensen about about this subject so (laughs) you can refer to uh the the, uh, the episode on that if you want more uh so the third problem is whether we're Free to choose to do what is right ooh, or wrong. Ooh, freedom! Things, yeah. yeah. Freedom is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Much less choose our values that are under that underwrite our morality. So, are we free to choose, and are we free to do what is right or wrong within those things? Uh, so, uh, this assumes uh, we usually assume that ought implies can to perform some immoral act. For example, is to be blameworthy or culpable, and this idea of culpability depends on our notion of free will, right? So. Uh, uh, someone runs over uh, a pedestrian with their car. Uh, they're brought before the judge. The judge says, you know, were you having a heart attack? Were you, um, you know, uh, did, did, did you uh, believe that this person was uh, attacking somebody else? No, no, no. I was intoxicated and I <laughs> ran over this person. Okay, well, you are culpable because you could have uh, done differently. Right. Or, so you are uh, to blame. Or you knew better. Yeah. And so uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a a uh, you were forced to with a gun at your head, or you weren't commanded to by uh, some supernatural being. You you did it because of your actions that wow. you could have chose differently. I think that's the uh, standard <laughs> standard reply. Uh, now, if naturalism is true, however, um, and it uh, and it implied that we have no free will, then our notions of morality would certainly be drastically impacted. Yeah. So again, if naturalism is true. It seems like you and I are nature, and that's all that there is. This mind concept uh, seems to just be chemicals firing off at different capacities. We exhibit um, uh, personality based off our uh, synaptic inputs plus uh, our our collective memories because your personality is dependent upon past experiences that build you to the self that you are. And your chemicals firing, and you hope that they're
0: firing in a correct way but you don't know right so the various laws of nature <laughs> yeah. are controlling right. everything right? right given the initial conditions and how the laws of nature operate right we are not free that's just what we have yeah. to yeah, do the laws of nature dictate that that, right? that
1: that 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 cue ball hit the the first ball that knocked us all around and <laughs> we're just following the path that the cue ball the big bang started and if naturalism is true right. Uh, right i'm i'm sorry that i sunk the eight ball before i was supposed to but uh, you know, it's the only thing that I could do because the universe is just in motion now. Mm. So that seems to be uh, a, a big issue. <laughs> and so uh, we're not going to spend too much time, but that that is a problem. And um, how does how does kind of the the Sam Harris view it? Well, Sam Harris seems to be kind of the one person who says that we don't have uh, the ability to to choose, and that we're not free, and that we're all kind of determined in the sense. Now, it seems odd because he, you know, writes books and has podcasts and you know he tries to convince people and it doesn't seem like he is exactly following this but at the same time if he's determined to do so he's doing exactly what he's determined yeah you
0: know if if he if he wasn't free to say it then how does he know it's true (laughs) that's the issue right Right. i mean he's saying that free will is an illusion uh okay fine how do you if you're not free to say that then how do you know what you're saying is true right right right. and
1: so he takes a kind of a prudential form for this and says, if the scientific community were to declare free will and illusion, it would participate a culture war far more belligerent than the ones that have been waged on sub- the subject of evolution. So they hide it? And they don't tell anybody? Well, you know, they don't value the truth over, you know, the the, the culture. And so they're just doing what may be right in their own eyes. So, so many, many unbelieving scientists realize this and so shy away from openly embracing determinism. And who could blame them, again, if determinism is true? <laughs> but Harris is one of the few unbelievers bold enough to kind of be out there and about it. Again, if determinism is true, there's nothing that we can do, so... Uh, if we all find out about it, then what happens? What what will be will be, right? It's that <laughs> that uh, that age old adage, and so um, so that 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 is that is an issue uh, with if naturalism is true, and so uh, again there there are responses to that, and I would I would suggest going back to uh, Scott Christensen's interview and then also picking up his book because he also talks about you know do, does Christianity the fact that God. Uh, is is sovereign in some way and especially from a reform perspective does that mean we're also de- uh, in completely determined? Well no, not not exactly. So um, we'll kind of kind of leave it there but um, uh, he, uh, he says that he agrees with Harrison Roseberg that science plus naturalism gives us good re- reason to think that we were' not free. Oh, and I almost agree that most naturalists be- should believe likewise. They should approach the topic of freedom with sober skeptic skeptic. and you know that's true and it seems like people that don't want to either uh, don't like the conclusions to it or don't like the implications of it and so uh, that's that's where he's coming from so again unfortunately what your presuppositions are leads you to conclusions and uh, what he's saying uh, throughout this book is that there are conclusions that atheists come to that they don't seem to like the, the conclusion of. and so
0: but if they're sober s- skeptics, they need they should come to those various conclusions. right right. right.
1: Yeah, be, Even whether they like it or not. Yeah, follow follow your your, your science and logic down that you put your faith in and, and you know that'll lead you to wherever you go and there you be. And so next, uh, Dr. Stokes wants to talk about his perspective on that, so he does view again he does say that uh, uh, he, uh, he, uh, there needs to be a valuer to uh, uh, to instill values and uh, for some odd reason he doesn 't think humans do a good enough job with it <laughs> and so we 'll figure out what his view might be, and that there might be a, a, a single valuer that controls the universe and has created us and has the ability to um, command things and value things in certain perspectives. So that's where we're at. Again, um, what do you think about this? Uh, let us know. Are there questions that you have about this that maybe as we get towards the end uh, that you have that um, that you want us to kind of answer? Um, you know, uh, shoot us an email, uh, put them in the comments, we'll collect them, and, and maybe uh, kind of to sum up this book once we do kind of our final breakdown of it, we'll, we'll hit some of the issues that you might have. And so... Um, Uh, Feel free to drop that in kind of whatever social media or uh, area that you're viewing this. or listening to this, and uh, we'd be happy to, to try and help. Might not have the right answers, but we'll, we're, we're all philosophers here, and so we can talk until the tape runs out and right. say nothing. So. so again, thank you. Everybody's a philosopher, it. whether they know it yeah, or not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. We all, we all we we can all talk nonsense until yeah. the other person stops listening. So, but we thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to see you back for uh, the final few chapters. And we thank you for joining us so far.
0: So, all right. See day. you next time. Yep.